What is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Make sure you hit that like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops or drops. Share this out as well. Appreciate y'all guys coming back. Also, five stars on Apple Podcasts. Um, I'm not sounding as stuffy as I was, and my voice is finally back to uh, at least mostly normal. So you won't get a lot of a lot of this talk. But anyway. We've finally made it to a week that Giant fans and Jeff fans have been looking for, no matter how the season kind of rode out for these two teams. You got the Jets, who Aaron Rodgers got hurt in week one. Zach Wilson's been taking the cover. That team is at 3-3, three and three, coming off a bye against a New York Giants team that won against Washington. They're right now sitting at 2-5. and 3-5 and five doesn't look as bad as 2-6, and six, and... Again, we'll see what happens in this game. The Giants obviously banged up with a couple of different injuries. As for the Jets, they have some injuries, but they're not too significant. um, Or at least as related as the Giants. So, as far as this game goes, let's talk about first thoughts and then we'll get into everything else. I would just like to say shout-outs to Mr. Matt O'Leary. We have the second half um, of the show with him. He's a popular figure on Jets YouTube. Guys, go check out his Jets stuff, and he also does some betting in there as well. If you guys remember uh, the first Rise and Rush podcast where we had Joe Maniello, he works closely with uh, Mr. Matt O'Leary on some betting stuff. But anyway, so these two teams come in here, and it means more for the Giants than it really does for the Jets because, um, let's see, the Giants, Tyrod Taylor's in. Daniel Jones is not going to play this week, and... It's going to be judging some different things, but, you know, some things are just like, hey, you know, it doesn't really matter anyway. But their schedule down the stretch starts to get e- easier. And if you're a Giants fan, you want to believe that this team can still make the playoffs. So if they do win this game, you can cap that off. And then 3-5, and five, Raiders 4-5, and five, Cowboys, you're probably going in. And that's another loss. That's 4-6. and six. But then if you win against the Patriots uh, and the Commanders, I think you're, what, 6-6 six and six at the bye week which isn't a bad look, and then you face the Packers, you might have to pull out some nail biters in the end against the Rams, maybe one against the Eagles or whatnot, but you get there when you get there, and we won't talk about that if the Giants don't win this game, if they don't win against the Raiders and stuff like that. As for the Jets, I mean, I think they're a solid football team. I do think there is a huge question mark at quarterback, but they do have some easier games, and they've really stuck with some teams um, you know, defensively. They stuck, they stuck with the Chiefs. They made Patrick Mahomes throw a couple of interceptions. Um, they made Jalen Hurts have a couple of turnovers. And Josh Allen, he had four turnovers against the New York Jets. And that's one thing that the Jets have really done well is they've committed a lot of turnovers. Now, their defense in total stats doesn't look totally appetizing. But sometimes the stats do tell a different story because, hey, maybe the Jets gave up this many yards in this game and it just hasn't trickled down. Um, and we'll talk about that, of course, but I do want to go to the injury report for the New York Giants and the New York Jets. We'll start out with the New York Jets, the quote-unquote away team. Uh, Randall Cobb is questionable with a shoulder injury. Uh, we got Joe Tittman, who is out with a quad injury. He came out of the Eagles game injured. It's going to be Wes Schweitzer versus Dexter Lawrence. Uh, Michael Carter Full practice on Friday, hamstring injury. He's questionable, so he's probably going to play. And Irvin Charles, who's more of a special teamer, but is a wide receiver, he's doubtful. 
to play with a shoulder injury. Will McDonald is questionable with a back injury. Uh, he was put on the uh, injury report late, but it looks like he's going to play if he gets a chance because it seems as though the last few weeks he really hasn't gotten a fair share of snaps. And, you know, we talk about that a lot in the second half of the show. When we go into the Jets' background, you know, talk about Carl Lawson and the trade deadline. For the New York Giants, it's still kind of a laundry list, but you do have a positive, what looks to be a positive right now, and that's John Michael Schmidt's questionable, which means, hey, he might be coming back. Um, Daniel Jones, you already said he's out. Andrew Thomas is doubtful. Beginning of the week, I was a tad optimistic about the New York Giants bringing him back for this week, but then I saw this article from Paul Schwartz. I'm like, uh, it's not going to be this week, is it? Gary Brightwell, he is out with a hamstring injury. You know, we're going to talk about some of the running backs and really what the running back room is going to look like, to be honest with you, and the things to look for because, you know, a lot of people are talking about this, that, and the other thing. And I know it's not too big of a subject, but the Giants have added Ja'Shawn Corbin, which we'll get into. The Giants have added Deion Jackson, which we'll get into. And that's the backfield right now other than Matt Breida and Saquon Barkley. Um, so Dory Jackson is questionable with a neck injury. He didn't go last week, so maybe he goes this week. Maybe. Um, Evan Neal's questionable with an ankle injury. Hopefully he goes. The offensive line didn't do too bad against the Commandos, but uh, the Jets are a totally different force. Kayvon Thibodeau's questionable with a knee injury. I don't think that there should be any questions as to whether he's playing, unless it's something they've kept under wraps the entire week. And Darren Waller questionable with a hamstring injury. You know, he's been questionable pretty much most of the year with a hamstring injury. He's probably going to play. Uh, Leonard Williams is fine. Saquon Barkley is fine. Graham Gano is fine. Wandell's fine. Dexter Lawrence is fine. So let's go to the stats. Jets, offensively, they're kind of like us. They're kind of like us except for the rushing category, which they succeed a little bit more. They are 30th in total yards per game, 32nd in passing offense, 12th in rushing offense, and 22nd in points per game. Defense-wise, 24th in total yards per game, 15th against the pass, 26th versus the run, and 13th in points per game. You look at offensive analytics, <clears throat> they are 8th in pass percentage, 25th in run percentage, 4th in pass percentage on first down, 8th in run percentage on first down. They are 31st in blitz percentage, 3rd in pressure percentage, and 24th in sacks. So a little bit of a mixed bag right there. Uh, for the Giants, they're 29th in the total yards and passing offense categories. They're 21st in rushing and 32nd in points. Defense, 23rd in total yards. Uh, 14th against the pass, 27th against the run, and 23rd in points. Now you take a look at the offensive analytics. They're 12th in pass percentage, 21st in run percentage, 29th in pass percentage on first down, 17th in run percentage on first down, 3rd in blitz percentage, 20th in pressure percentage, and 30th in sacks. So, you know, just a little tale of the sides. Well, I should say, better yet, there's two sides of the story always when it comes to stats and stuff like that. And we'll get into that as, you know, when we get into the players. The Giants, we pretty much already know what the situation is. You know, um, they really haven't had a consistent pass rush. They didn't get to Josh Allen, but they got to Sam Howell a few times. Um, they didn't get to Dak Prescott. They didn't get to Josh Dobbs. So, you know, that's, that's where the Giants defense is there. But, you know, they blitz a lot. And that's Wink Martindale's thing. It has been for the past two years. But I promise we'll touch on the Jets when we get to that side of things. So, speaking of blitzing, things to look for. Roll, uh, we'll talk about rolling out Zach in a minute, but blitzing Zach from 20 different angles. I personally think, and the offense kind of shows it as well, that 
Zach Wilson can be manipulated, right? And I just don't feel like defenses enough have done a good job of doing that. Or maybe it's because Zach Wilson's growing as a quarterback and he's kind of just uh, putting himself in spots to where he's not easily manipulated by defenses or he's, you know, locking under one read. It's stuff like that. You know, he could have easily thrown two, three picks against the Eagles. Could have done that against Kansas City. I know he had the fumble, which he blames on himself. And there was a couple other games as well. And you think, wait a minute, you know, Zach Wilson, you know, isn't he this turnover-prone guy and he's facing some really good defenses? Well, this game we're going to see, in my opinion, now, I haven't given the Giants defense, like, too much praise over the entire year, but the last two, three weeks, they kind of deserve it because they've created, they've created turnovers, they've held teams to like 14 points uh at most i mean the bills you know that was that was that game and then washington to seven points so in my personal opinion it also depends on the offensive line too you're gonna see whether zach is a changed quarterback whether he's you know upgraded to game manager or whether he's oh the same old zach wilson maybe he was just bluffing us for you know the few games or whatnot now rolling zach out i will say this they do like to do that and you know, I try not to criticize coaches in some certain areas that I don't know football, but one thing that Eric Bieniemy didn't take advantage of last week was rolling Sam Howell out of the pocket. I think he adjusted way too late for that. I think Washington, Washington football fans, commander fans, whatever, they will say that too because you saw I think it was a fourth down and one. They rolled him out, tossed right, and he was there. Meanwhile, you know, most of the other time he couldn't get out of the pocket because you, the contain was so good. You know, you had Kayvon Thibodeau coming in. You had this guy coming in. You had Jason Pinnock blitzing off the left side of the defense. So, I mean, that's what the Giants are going to do. But rolling Zach out is something that the Jets have been successful with. Now, has it worked 100% of the time? No, it hasn't. But the Giants have to really keep an eye on that. And I hope they watch the film on that because rolling Zach out of the pocket, you know, trying to backyard football vibe. That's what Zach is really, really good at. Um, also, hurry up offense. Now, they're probably not going to do this every drive because time of possession, you would like to have that on your side. And sometimes hurry up offense doesn't equate to anything because you may not score seven or you may not even score three at the end of it. But um, some of these off-platform, off-script type plays, again, that's what Zach Wilson is good at or at least he's solid at that and Jets fans know that more than anybody else so rolling Zach out in the hurry up offense and also a use of play action too um you know that's really helped out you know they faced a very weak secondary against the Eagles but they also had a little bit of a run game plus Jalen Hurts turning over the ball a few times that helped them out um and all these other different things but also I would say this right talk about the Jets offense Heavy use of Brees Hall. Now, a lot of people are like, well, you know, the Giants got to be legitimately scared of Brees Hall. I don't disagree to any sort of standard. Like, I, I don't disagree. Here's the problem, though. Here's the problem I have. There's two things. Number one, I have legitimate confidence in Bobby Okereke and Micah McFadden to start really playing elite-level football at the linebacker position. Now, not elite is in Pro Bowl, but compared to the linebackers we've seen over the past few years, weak four they started turning it up actually no it wasn't week four maybe in week four week five against the Dolphins they definitely started turning it up McFadden was injured for that game week six against the Bills they started turning it up a little bit more and then week seven against the Commanders 
they have not reached their peak yet, but they're playing in the prime of the defense. And when they're playing really well, that's when the defense is overall playing well. And that's when we com can uh, commend them. But, so you got that. I wouldn't factor that in as much if it wasn't for also another thing. I'm not taking a shot just to take a shot. I've watched Jet football games, so I know what the pulse of the Jets fan base is. I happen to have a Jets fan best friend, who you guys know, Jets fan brother, and I know multiple Jet fans. Nathaniel Hackett is extremely, extremely predictable when it comes to first and second down runs. If the Giants know that's coming, and they... I don't think they'll stack the box, but if they do stack the box, I would expect Xavier McKinney, Jason Pinnock, along with McFadden and Okereke to make some tackles, and then that positions them in third down and long to where, in my opinion, I'm going to be honest here, I say this in the second half, I'm not scared of the Jets' offensive weapons other than Garrett Wilson because Lazard doesn't move the needle much for me. Um, Randall Cobb is washed. Xavier Gibson, he's got some speed, but he needs to get more in the offense. Conklin, Uzama, they're average. And Jeremy Ruckert, I mean, I think he could maybe have a few extra yards. But, I mean, other than that, I think the biggest benefit that the Giants can get in terms of, you know, this whole thing when it comes to playing the Jets offense is reading the predictabilities by Nathaniel Hackett in the offense. And even then, whether he's being predictable or not, just give Zach different disguises different looks on the defensive side of the ball have him make mistakes third down third down and long have him in jail put him in jail so let's go to the uh giants offense now giants ground and pound with saquon now i don't think they'll go ground and pound i don't think they should do it either way whether they want a run system or whether they're going to try to balance it um balance it out sauce gardner and dj reed are coming back for this game and they're two very good corners. Like, we can't mess around with them. You know, Tyrod can't make too many legal mistakes unless, you know, it happens like what happened in the preseason where Jalen Hyatt does beat Sauce Gardner. Now, going back to the Giants and the ground and pound stuff like that, they got a couple of capable running backs in that room. Now, granted, Breida, Barkley, they're the two head cows. Uh, and then the two other guys, you got Jay Sean Corbin and Deion Jackson. Now, are any of them going to be inactive? That's the question. The other question is this, and I kind of factor in a little special teams here before we get to the rest of the offense, is Gunnar Olszewski. He is a punt returner. Now, i got to get to Thomas McGahee's comment in, in a second. I'm gonna, I'm just going to leave that before we get to players to watch because he's unbelievable. But Gunnar Olszewski, he's going to be punt returning. I don't think he's a kick returner. I think he's more on the punt side. I'm actually going to do a live lookup for you guys. So as far as Gunnar Olszewski goes, let's go with special teams. Where are we? Kick and punt returns. Okay, so he's got two kickoff returns this year for Pittsburgh, uh, averaging 12 yards. That's not good. So it just tells me that he was not the main kick returner in Pittsburgh. Maybe it was somebody else. I, I don't know if it was Anthony McFarland, if he is even still playing for them. So I'm not in touch with uh, the Steel fan base like that. I'm going to be honest with you guys. But... um. That leaves a hole a kick returner because you got Gary Brightwell who's out and Eric Gray's on the IR. So you could have, now I don't know if Deion Jackson's special teams like kick returner. He is special teams, but Deshaun Corbin, I mean, I kind of been banging the table since last summer to make him primary kick returner. 
this is his chance, man. This is his chance, and I know, obviously, when Gray gets back, whenever that is, hopefully he does get back, you know, there's going to be some conflict in that running back room. But my, oh my, I mean, you know, uh, that puts a conflict in. Special teams, running backs. So if the Giants do want to give Corbin and Deion Jackson some carries, they could give him some carries. And you know what? I think another thing, too, is the Giants could use some swing passes. Here's my fear about that. Um, they have some very good linebackers. Now, they're not elite linebackers, but there's one that scares me the most, and it's not C.J. Mosley. It's Quincy Williams. He is playing at an elite level. He's playing at a fast pace. I would argue he's a pro bowler. He's one of the quicker linebackers that I've seen play for the Jets, and the Giants don't have elite speed coming out of the backfield like Christian McCaffrey when it comes to like the receiving game. But if you want to throw some swing passes, Jay Sean Corbin, he caught a lot of passes at Florida State, and I think he's a solid backfield receiver. Uh, I don't know too much about Deion Jackson in that field. Barkley, you could do your usual. I mean, I know that play worked, um, you know, in the little out type thingy um, against the Commanders in Week 7. And then also Matt Breed is out there. So you could do some swing passes to kind of help you out. And that goes a little bit into the Jets' pass rushers we'll get more into them but they have a fortress of pass rushers will mcdonald their first round pick i again argue that they should play him more maybe not this week but maybe next week but they should play him more in all seriousness uh you got jermaine johnson you got bryce huff who i wanted to trade for but the jets actually kept him which is a good thing for them quinn williams who's kind of like Dexter Lawrence, who really hasn't gotten on the statue this year, but you know his impact is being felt in the running game and all these different things. You got John Franklin Myers. You also got Quentin Jefferson, who's their leading sacker. So they have multiple guys they could go to going up against this Giants offensive line where there's a couple of pieces pending. Um, you know, center, JMS looks like he's going to play, and, you know, coming back against the guy in uh, – Quinn and Williams, I mean, that's going to be a tough task. So he's got to handle the double teams well. You got Evan Neal, who I'm going to say for right now will come back. Uh, I haven't heard anything otherwise, unless it's a long-term ankle injury. But for the time being, we'll say Evan Neal is coming back. You place him on the right side. Where do you put Tyree Phillips? Do you move him inside? Do you move somebody else? It's going to be interesting. And it's even going to be more interesting when Andrew Thomas comes back. I was having this conversation with somebody on Twitter and when Andrew Thomas comes back, it's going to be so much easier because right now you have guards playing tackle. That's what it is. You have five guards playing tackle and center and guard. But this game, you're going to need help. And I think someone who's going to struggle big time. I'm not worried about Evan Neal as much. I'm worried about Justin Pugh. And I got to give it to him on a leadership standpoint because, you know, he's a guy that came in and, you know, he's he's a lot mouthy. And mouthy in a good way, too. It's like, you know, he's getting these guys ramped up and he's he's just got the right voice for leadership among the Giants offensive linemen. And I literally asked this a few weeks ago, maybe even a couple of days ago. I said, what are these Giants offensive linemen doing to prepare themselves for games? Because every single frigging game, it's a new combo. So Pat Leonard comes out with an article, says Justin Pugh takes these guys out. I think it's like 6.30 every Thursday or something like that to a new steakhouse, rotating steakhouses. And Justin Pugh even said on Twitter, he's like, you know, if you guys got any recommendations, throw them in the throw them in the comments section. So that's a leader. Like, that is a leader. That's a captain. Now, probably won't be promoted to captain, but that's a guy you would like to keep around. So 
I would imagine Pugh stays on the offensive line when, you know, all these different guys start coming back from injury, especially Andrew Thomas. But yeah, the Jets swapping in multiple pass rushers, that's something we're going to see. And again, they're not a high blitz team because they get there pressure-wise with their front four. Robert Salas said it. Anyone who watches Jets football says it and, you know, can see with their eyeballs. Now, before we get to players to watch, I did promise this. So I don't know if you guys saw in the press conferences, uh, Thomas McGahee was asked something about special teams, punt returning, whatever. If Do I got some Yankee fans in the audience? Got some Yankee fans in the audience? Bet you've heard this one before. So if you guys don't know, um, they tore down the racetrack next to MetLife Stadium. And this was implemented just before the season because I remember coming to training camp the first day and I'm like, where the hell did that building in the racetrack go? So it's all gone. So Thomas McGahee, instead of, I guess, taking accountability, said, yeah, you know, that wind um, is no longer even. It's no longer even because they took out the racetrack and now it's just a disadvantage for us. He basically said that. The full quote is on Twitter. Uh, you could probably find it maybe on the SNY YouTube channel, but SNY has a couple other Alice that have it. And my question is this. Really? Because, let's see, you switch sides every single friggin' quarter. So there's that. B, I don't know. Let's see. Let's go through the home games. Um... Week one, Dallas didn't fumble a single punt return. Week four, no fumbled punt returns there. And week seven, Commanders didn't fumble any punt returns. So why is it just the Giants? And it's not like there's some great punters that we face every week. I mean, yeah, we face some pretty good punters. Tressway, he's been a veteran in this league. Michael Dixon. And before that was uh, Brian Anger. I mean, they're solid punters, but goddamn, uh, the excuse-making. Why did I reference Yankee fans? Because you guys remember, uh, it was last year. Oh, oh, the roof was open. The roof was open. That's why the, the Yankees were not hitting home runs. So a similar built-in excuse. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Players to watch. Let's start with Zach Wilson. So still a low count of touchdowns in six games. Four touchdowns, five picks, 19 sacks taken, 1,097 yards. His completion percentage... Um, is it 60.4%? And that's obviously not where you want it. And he's one of the more gunslingers, so he's not going to have, like, persistent completion percentage. It's the highest of his career, but it depends what the Jets want him as. Do they want him as that low-ceiling type game manager? Do they want to try to develop him more into a gunslinger? We'll see. But Zach Wilson definitely is a player to watch, and I always really watch the quarterback because guess what they're the head of the offense even if it was Jake Fromm I'd say okay Jake Fromm this stat that stat you know he's thrown seven touchdowns and 17 interceptions I would still preview him we go to Brees Hall we talked about him he's got two touchdowns on the season as long as it was an 83 yard run I believe that took place either against Buffalo I, I think it was against Buffalo he also had a very big run against the Denver Broncos, which they currently rank as the worst defense in the NFL. And, you know, if the Giants, again, if they don't read that, you know, Nathaniel Hackett's being predictable, they don't read the run keys, they don't stay gap disciplined, Brees Hall is bound to have another good game. He didn't really pop off too much against the Philadelphia Eagles. So he's going to look, you know, three weeks since that uh, game against 
the Broncos. He's going to look for some. He's going to look for some blood. He's tenth in the NFL uh, this season in rushing yards behind Kenneth Walker, Kyron Williams, Devon A. Chain, uh, Raheem Mostert, James Cook, Travis Etienne, Zach Moss, DeAndre Swift, and Christian McCaffrey. Of course, you go to Garrett Wilson, who's had a solid year. Um, 32 receptions, 369 yards, two touchdowns. He's their best target. So I think that, you know, Adoree may play against him. I think it also could be a nice test. Deontay Banks. Now, there's that touchdown that <laughs> that's going around Twitter of uh, Garrett Wilson beating Banks when it was uh, Ohio State, Maryland. But that was also, uh, let's see, Wilson was what, drafted in 22? So it could have been 2021 or 2020. So that was a little bit of a time ago. So these players have both improved on their craft. But anyway, we have that to get to. Um, and I'll, I'll read out the stats for other Jet offensive players. As I said, I'm not too scared by the rest of them. Uh, CJ Uzama has a passing touch. Well, I should say not a passing touchdown, but a receiving touchdown. 22 yards on four catches. Uh, Alan Lazard, 210, ca- uh, 210 yards, 14 catches, one touchdown. Tyler Cochran, 227 yards, 20 receptions, and then... Brees Hall, that's one thing also as well. Now, I don't know if they have picked up on it, personally me. I don't know if they've picked up on it, but a lot of Jeff fans are calling for Brees Hall to be utilized a little bit more coming out of the backfield as a receiver. Bobby Okereke, Michael McFadden, Isaiah Simmons, I would I would watch that. You know, some swing passes, give Zach some easy stuff. Screens too. The Jets love to run screens when it's opportune. Um, also... I wouldn't look for much Dalvin Cook involvement. If that that would be a good thing if he does get involved for the Giants defense. Because if you've been watching some Jet football, Dalvin Cook looks legitimately washed. Gonna be honest with you. You ask most Jet fans, you've seen the game film, uh, Dalvin Cook looks washed. And a lot of Jet fans are like, dude, why are you complaining about your role? You can't get going anyway. So anyway, that's that. Also as well, this is more of a thing for Kayvon Thibodeau. If the Giants activate any edge rusher, they should, honestly. I think they should bring up either Zimenez. I think he's out of activations, though. Justin Hollins would be one. If we still have Tamon Fox on the practice squad, that'd be another. But any of the edge rushers, Jod Ward, those guys, edge players. I would look at Jeremy Ruckert. Now, I'm not saying look at him as like, oh, my God, you know, he's a great pass catcher. No, he hasn't shown that and you know Zach Wilson hasn't gotten him the ball enough and he's got some explosive playability possibly but I would look at him as a very dominant run blocker I think he's very underrated and that's why the Jets offense really gets going is because Brees Hall Brees Hall um you got Jeremy Ruckert as a key blocker and again they are sometimes predictable they're not the Dolphins where they throw out of running sets where they got like three tight ends and all these different things and then the I formation no Sometimes they're very predictable. Again, going back to the first and second down runs, they're not just predictable with play call, but personnel too. If you see three tight ends set, more than likely, it's probably going to be a run. But even when you're looking at a run, Jeremy Ruckert, you want to beat him. Kayvon Thibodeau, a lot of people have been talking smack about you. But again, I'll leave that for the the matchups later on. Expected O-line. We got Makai Becton who's given up four sacks, seven penalties on the year. Lakin Tomlinson, three sacks, one penalty. Uh, Connor McGovern, four penalties, one sack. Max Mitchell has allowed a sack, two. And I'm going to look up the stats for our buddy Wes Schweitzer 
because he's going to be filling in for Joe Tittman at the guard spot. One penalty and one sack. So that's the Jets' offensive line. As far as they their rankings in the league among giving up sacks, I don't think they've been too bad. They've had a couple of injuries. Obviously, you know, Dwayne Brown was one of them, and they flip-flopped some guard play and whatnot. So the Giants have allowed the second-most sacks, and the Jets have allowed the ninth-most at 20. So this is still a little bit of a vulnerable unit. You go over to the defensive side of the ball. That's where it gets hasty. And that's where we talk about these edge rushers. Jermaine Johnson, seven quarterback pressures, two sacks, two quarterback hits, 18 tackles for a loss. Um, excuse me, 18 tackles, four tackles for a loss. Quinn and Williams, talked about him kind of being the Dexter Lawrence, and they played the same position. Ideally, they also came from the same draft class. Half a sack, three tackles for loss, six quarterback hits, 19 tackles, 12 quarterback pressures. These guys are the middle of their defense. They are the silent horse, but the impactful silent horse because they're not always on the stat sheet. They're getting double teamed a lot, but they're making their presence known in the backfield. Uh, Bryce Huff, two and a half sacks, three tackles for loss, eight quarterback hits, nine quarterback pressures, nine tackles. He is finally sprouting off, and I think he could be a player that gets five to seven sacks for the Jets this year. They're going to produce more sacks, though. Um, a lot of Jeff fans will tell you that. But I am proud, I guess, from an outsider standpoint, not even looking at this game, that they've given him more snaps because it's just been for years now the analytics and the statistics have shown Bryce Huff on third down is among the elite pass rushers and what he can do. And the Jets weren't giving him a chance. You know, he was behind Carl Lawson. He was behind Jacob Martin. He was behind some of these other guys. And now he's getting that chance. So I'm happy for him. But can we stonewall him this game, please? You got Quentin Jefferson, the former Seattle Seahawk. Three sacks on the season. 13 tackles. Two for a loss. Six quarterback hits. Nine quarterback pressures. John Franklin Myers, one sack. Eight quarterback hits. 14 tackles. Two for a loss, 16 quarterback pressures. We move to the one linebacker I'm looking at. I'll be fair. I will also look at C.J. Mosley, uh, even though I think Quincy Williams has played better. Uh, but as for Mr. Quincy Williams, so Quincy Williams on the year, 60 tackles, two sacks, a fumble recovery, a forced fumble, five pass deflections. He's got four QB hits, six tackles for a loss, uh, and coverage hasn't been great, has allowed three touchdowns, but that's not really what you're looking for him to do. 105.7 passer rating, 71.4 completion percentage allowed, and also five quarterback pressures in addition to the sack numbers and all that. Now, C.J. Mosley, you take a look at Mr. C.J. Mosley, former Baltimore Ravens, so Wink knows him well. Uh, 59 tackles on the year, one quarterback hit, three tackles for a loss. Pass deflections at four, and then one forced fumble to go along with no quarterback pressures, 77.1 passer rating and coverage, which isn't bad. He's got an interception that was going to, going up against Patrick Mahomes. 73.3 completion percentage allowed, 200 yards. And then we move to the secondary, where we got Mr. Sauce Gardner. Three pass deflections, a forced fumble. No touchdowns allowed on the year yet, but he's given up a higher completion percentage um, then last year, about 20.4 points higher at 73.9, um, 152 yards, 91.2 passer rating, but again, hasn't given up a touchdown, so you really can't complain. DJ Reed, as far as he goes, he's been injured a little bit, concussion, 
I believe was the injury for him, and he also had another injury too. Um, 28 tackles on the year, 97.9 passer rating allowed, no touchdowns allowed, a completion percentage of 76.2. So there's that. And then also we have to talk about the slot corner, Michael Carter II, Two pass deflections on the season, 59.3 completion percentage, which is really good for a slot corner. Usually they're targeted a lot, and he's not. I mean, you know, 59.3 completion percentage, very good. One touchdown allowed, 88 passer rating, one quarterback pressure, and uh, 24 tackles on the season. So before we get to top matchups, talk about our ad. SeatGeek, so if you guys are going to a ball game, you guys are going to a concert, you need parking passes for a tailgate, SeatGeek is your one-stop shop. $20 off your entire online order with the promo code Big Blue in the Bronx. That's Big Blue in the Bronx, the name of the podcast, name of the channel, all that sort of good stuff. All right, so we move on to top matchups. My number one matchup, Deontay Banks or Adoree Jackson, but I would love for it to be Deontay Banks versus Garrett Wilson. Deontay Banks, he's been tested. He's got some very good stats on the year. Uh, some among top corners in the league. He's allowed a passer rating of 68.3. Two touchdowns, but a completion percentage of 48.7. Plus, he's got a pick that coming up against uh, Sam Howell. So, Garrett Wilson, obviously he's a very good receiver. I would argue more than very good. But his quarterback, I think, is holding his production back. In Mr. Zach Wilson. And if Deontay Banks can kind of do that baiting thing that he did to Sam Howell against the Commanders, I think he could make room for some turnovers. And I think there's going to be a fair share of wins. I don't think Wilson will be locked down to like 18 yards. I think Garrett Wilson is going to have his fair share of wins, and I think Banks will have his fair share of wins. But who wins it in the end? I want to be talking and say, hey, I think uh, I think Deontay Banks won this matchup. You move on. Now that we know he's playing JMS versus Quinnen Williams. Now that does move Ben Bredesen to another position. So maybe they put Bredesen at left guard um, with McKeithen probably exiting the lineup, which, you know, is a good thing because, again, McKeithen doesn't know to put his hands on anybody. Um, and then Glowinski as well. So you wonder, JMS, Quinnen Williams, it's going to be a rough test, but it's going to be a strong test too. And he's going to be facing these guys over the course of his career if he proves to be a good center in this league because you got the Eagles, you got the Cowboys, you got the Commanders. You got Bryce Huff versus Evan Neal or Tyree Phillips. Uh, I think it's going to be Evan Neal this week. And Evan Neal, you know, he obviously played decent against Buffalo. You didn't really hear his name too much. Bryce Huff is, he's not a superior pass rusher. He's not what Von Miller was in the league so many years ago. He's not Khalil Mack, Max Crosby. But he's a solid pass rusher, and we're really trying to see what Evan Neal has improved on over the past week, even though he's dealt with that injury. We're trying to make this a litmus test for him because, hey, we're basically at the middle of the season, Evan Neal. Have you come up a little bit since your injury? Have you improved your play, your footwork, your technique, or have you not? And we might have to move you inside the guard. This one I'm a little scared of. Jermaine Johnson versus Justin Pugh. Johnson has a ton of speed to power. I love that about him. I love that about him coming out of college. And Pugh, he's not fast enough to kind of block that up. So, in my opinion, I would put Daniel Bellinger to Pugh's side and help out Justin Pugh against Jermaine Johnson. Again, Pugh's a guard playing tackle. 
And the Giants don't have many capable tackles at this moment. Uh, Parrott was obviously put on IR. So as far as Justin Pugh goes, help him out a little bit. That's going to be a matchup that the Jet fans really want to see and that they really want to take advantage of. Quincy Williams versus Saquon Barkley. Speed against Barkley. Again, he's coming back from this ankle injury. I don't think he's 100% yet. Maybe this is the game he goes off. And he's got this vengeance, right? You know, he's talked about before. This is a game that's still on my mind from how many years ago because of the one yard I got on 13 carries. Well, let's not do that again. Let's not do that again. Let's get some more yards. More yards per carry. How about let's get a touchdown too, maybe. Jalen Hyatt versus... Sauce Gardner, maybe, and Darius Slayton versus DJ Reed. We're going to see that. I think Tyrod's definitely going to take some chances against the secondary. I don't think he's too scared. Um, what I will say is this, though. I said it on the Bubs on Sports podcast that I appeared on Thursday, I believe it was. People are going to talk about this Jalen Hyatt-Sauce matchup, you know, coming from the preseason. I don't think it's going to be a consistent matchup. What am I saying by that? Why am I saying, you know, that sort of stuff? Jalen Hyatt so far has proved to be a receiver that's just going to get chunk yardage. He's not going to be consistent like six, seven catches a game. That's probably going to be more of a Darren Waller or a Darius Slayton. And, you know, Tyrod Taylor will probably spread the ball. Right now, it's just chunk plays. Now, who Jalen Hyatt maybe gets those chunk plays against? You look at that matchup and you see, okay, maybe he got those chunk plays against Sauce Carter. Maybe he did it against DJ Reed. Who knows, right? But... Those matchups are definitely going to be anticipated. Dexter Lawrence versus Connor McGovern and Wes Schweitzer. Um, I definitely think the double team is going to be there. No question about it. But I do need Leo Williams to win against Lincoln Tomlinson. Tomlinson has had a bounce back season thus far. He hasn't played too badly uh, compared to last year. where Last year he was just god awful. I think he allowed north of five, six sacks. But I need Leo to do his job because... Um, you know, obviously he refined some technique stuff last week. That's how we got to the quarterback a few times. I need him to do his job, especially with, uh, the Giants. They're going to be blitzing, but the Giants also need to win when it's four or five man rush situations. And then also talking about rushing situations, Kayvon Thibodeau versus Makai Becton or Max Mitchell. He'll probably play both sides. Um, if I'm looking at it as of right now, let me look at it from the real perspective, and then I'm going to look at it from, okay, this has to be the perspective of this guy's fifth overall pick. Real perspective. If I'm going to be honest, Giant fans disagree. I don't think Kayvon Thibodeau is winning many matchups against Makai Becton. I don't. Becton has the talent to, you know, be a solid tackle in this league. I don't think he's going to be at the Andrew Thomas level because he's missed so much time. He may be back in a Jets uniform next year. He might not be. You know, that's obviously not our decision. It's not really thing our, our thing to care about, to be honest. But uh, Kayvon Thibodeau needs to be a little bit more consistent. And in that, I might as well bring this up. We obviously heard over, you know, the past week, that whole debacle between Brendan Tierney, Salicata, and Carl Banks. Now, I disagree with them both. Um, I think that noise is often weak. And evidence and argument wins over that. And Brandon Tierney and Salicata decided not to bring evidence to the table. They decided to analyze Kayvon Thibodeau's game like a bunch of eight-year-olds who never watched football in their entire life. Um, they were talking about his body, his size, he's slow, he can't play linebacker, he can't catch a pick six. It's a bunch of nonsense. It's a bunch of nonsense. That's unfortunately what WFN really sports talk radio has become. Now, 
you guys are going to question, why do I disagree with Carl Banks? Because he did say, you know, Kayvon's explosive. You know, he's done all these different things. He's excellent. I wouldn't agree with that. Now, I'm not saying he's a bust. He's got five and a half sacks. That leads the team. However, you would like him to be more of an impact player, more of a consistent player. Sack totals, that's one thing, right? Um, I know he's probably not going to get double-digit sacks because this is the Wink Martindale scheme where nobody gets double-digit sacks, but he needs to be an impact player. Fifth overall pick from last year, that's why the Giants drafted him. And if you're talking about fifth overall pick standards, he should be winning those matchups against Mekhi Becton. You know, top tackle in the league picked how many years ago versus top edge rusher in the league picked a couple of years ago, or at least in college football. You would expect him to win that matchup, and I think he's going to win some matchups against Max Mitchell. If he doesn't, I'm going to be really weirded out, and especially if he goes up against Jeremy Rucker. I mean, I would be very weirded out, especially coming off this Washington game, but um, my oh my, if he doesn't get a sack against Max Mitchell, if he doesn't win some matchups against Becton, I will be disappointed. So let's talk about keys to win. Let's talk about keys to win. Number one for me is put Zach in jail. I know a lot of people are going to say score points, this and the other thing. Um, maybe that's a point we'll make. Maybe that's a point we won't make. But put Zach in jail. I know, yes, the Jets defense is totally, totally at the top of this league. You know, their yardage may not be in the best of categories, but nonetheless, they play like a top 10, top 15 unit. And it's going to be tough for this offensive line to handle whatnot. But I need the Giants to contain Zach Wilson. I need them to put him in jail. I need them to force Jet fans to start ranting on Zach Wilson, to start raving on Zach Wilson, to start rethinking their options, to start... Not that I want people to trash Zach Wilson, but I want the Giants' defense to reinstore that narrative. I want them to play so hard out of their friggin' minds against Zach Wilson. You know, maybe the narrative will come out. Hey, listen, you know, him spending time with his girlfriend wasn't such a good thing. I know Sean Marash made a point about that. I personally think that's irrelevant because that's just digging for straws. But again, put Zach in jail. When he rolls out of the pocket, contain him. Cover the receivers downfield. If he doesn't roll out of the pocket, make it make it so that, you know, Brees Hall doesn't have anywhere to go and he's forced to pass and then he's in the pocket. He crumbles like a fucking cookie. Number two, protect up front. That is going to be key number two. The Giants need to protect up front with all of their might. Jermaine Johnson. We all mentioned, you know, mentioned all the names. Mentioned all the names. But they need to block up against those names. They need to scheme it up. Whether it's quick passes. And they know the quick passes are coming. They know the quick passes are coming. Uh, Jeff Olbrick brought it up. He says, you know, we're mostly a, you know, a zone defense team. But if they bring out the quick passes, we're going to tighten our coverage. So the Giants may have to rethink some of their game plan. But protect up front. You got to protect up front. Um, and number three, score points in time of possession. This is not at all going to be a high-scoring game. If it's 27-31 like the last time, I will come on here and say I'm wrong. But score points, execute on offense. Those mistakes can't happen. Special teams where you fumble. Fumble in the red zone. That can't happen. The Giants have to score more than 14 points for a chance. Maybe. But they got to score more points than the Jets to win this game. That's the objective. We don't want ties. We don't like ties. But they got to score points against this defense. Get what they can. Get what they can. Execute. Take risks. And win the time of possession game. Overall, though, Giants, I have them winning this game. I've predicted them to win 
three times now. I'm one and one in that area, so we'll see what I am out of this weekend. I also predicted them to lose against the Commanders, and they won. So I guess that's, you know, woohoo, undefeated legacy jerseys. But I have them winning 17-14. to 14. Close game, not high scoring. You know, I will say this, right? Before we go to the interview section with Matt O'Leary, there's a lot of people out here, Jets and Giants both, saying that the Giants really don't have a chance. I, I disagree. I disagree. I'm not calling the Jets frauds at 3-3. Three and three. Your record states the type of team you are. Obviously, there's, there's that uh, famous Bill Parcells quote. But my thing is this, right? The Giants have played some impeccable defense over the last two weeks. They held up Buffalo pretty well. The Commanders, they went to, you know, went back home, sacked Sam Howell six times, forced him to throw an interception. I mean, Sam Howell's a little bit better of a quarterback, in my opinion, than Zach Wilson. And, you know, we talk about, oh, the Giants can't score points. The Jets can't score points either. They literally have it through Brees Hall. And then again, too, defenses, I guess, haven't caught on to the fact, hey, you know, they run it first and second down most of the time. That's why those percentages are up. You know, oh, they're, you know, uh, what is it? I think it's like eighth in first down run percentage. So they are predictable. And there's a lot of things you could do. So don't get it twisted. I think the Jets should win this game. If they're truly a 3-3 three and three team, they should win this game. I don't think they will, though, because I think the Giants, in some of these situations, are better coached. Though they haven't shown it much this season, I think they're better coached. I could be wrong, and I could totally be an effing clown, but hey, we'll see. Let's go to the uh, discussion portion with Mr. Matt O'Leary. We'll send it over now. All right, so now I am with Matt O'Leary, who is a very much known figure in the Jets community on YouTube. And uh, I got to ask you to start, Matt. What are your thoughts coming in in this game? The Jets are off a bye week. Uh, and it's always close between the Jets and the Giants, no matter how good or bad these teams are. Yeah, um, you know, obviously for for the Jets, I think they went into the bye week with some confidence after that big upset win over the Eagles. And, you know, now come out and are looking to take care of business against the Giants team who got off to a slow start, but to their credit has played better football the last two weeks. And, you know, they can't overlook this Giants team. They have played very, very well defensively, especially the last two weeks. Uh, and as you said, like, it doesn't seem to matter where these teams are in the standings. It's a rivalry game. I expect it to be a tight game. Uh, and I don't think either team runs away with this one. Absolutely. So uh, just a general question beforehand, because this is kind of leaked into this week. And I want to get another Jets fan's perspective on it i've asked two already what do you what are your thoughts more like do you have legitimate distaste on how robert Sala has handled injuries thus far process and word wise um not really like i i don't think it's a huge deal is it a little frustrating to the fan maybe who's trying to to follow along with it uh, yeah I, I guess and to that extent i would say that it's uh it's not always the easiest of things to to deal with with him, but um, in the grand scheme of things, I think it's a, a pretty small flaw or weakness to have for for a coach. Like if his description of these injuries is going to be the worst thing about him, then that's what I'll you know put up with. Um, it seems like whatever he says, the the opposite tends to happen. I, I, to me, it feels like I don't know. I, I've just kind of you know, laughed it off if, if 
he says something and you know for instance last week with or i guess two weeks ago now before the eagles game you know he's pretty confident that dj reed was going to get cleared but some of it also i think is gamesmanship too i don't think he wants to give too much away to their opponents right so we move into the top headline it's always been the top headline with uh, the jets and that's happened to be the story of zach wilson was benched twice last year came on and Relief for Rodgers in that first game where he got hurt. Has had some good and bad games, but in my opinion, from what I've seen, I've watched a lot of Jet games, not like tremendous improvements. He's game manager at this point. What are your thoughts on how he's played this far? Are you taking it game by game? And do you fear possible mistakes versus this Giants defense? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that could come into the fold. Um, You know, he's someone who so far in his career, he's uh, had the tendency to turn the ball over. Although this year, uh, in comparison to his first two years in the league, his turnover worthy play percentage is way down. Uh, His adjusted completion percentage is way up. So uh, while, you know, the, the box score stats aren't jumping out and there are absolutely areas where he could improve he needs to start getting the ball into the end zone a little bit more uh the red zone efficiency needs to be significantly better but something he's done a better job at is he isn't missing those easy throws or easy reads anymore his first two years in league he was literally bouncing screen passes or dirting balls on a screen which is just you know incredibly frustrating so the the accuracy has improved um, and the, the amount that he's turning the ball over has also improved again, this is not saying that this is some saved guy and that he's the future of the franchise. I'm not you know quite there yet, but I think he went from someone who was legitimately unplayable in the second half of last year to someone who could at least, you could have a, a serviceable game manager, the 25th best quarterback in the league, somewhere in that range, rather than, like I said, someone who you just couldn't put on the football field. Right. Uh, moving to the running back room, it was put out on Thursday that Dalvin Cook is a little bit dissatisfied with his role with the Jets. Obviously, they signed him in August, and he hasn't gotten off to the fastest start. And also, to be fair, in his case, Brees Hall has been a little bit more ready than expected. With that being said, um, what are your thoughts on that? And do you think it's at some point down the line you got to give Izzy Abanaconda some snaps? Yeah, I would love to see more uh, of the rookie Izzy Abanaconda. We haven't really seen him uh, in the regular season this year, but I thought he had some nice moments in the preseason. Uh, for me with Dalvin Cook, I don't really understand his frustration. I know he's not getting the ball a ton, but he didn't really do a lot the first few weeks to justify him getting the ball uh, at this point. And, you know, he was brought in to be the... I don't want to say the workhorse back, but someone who could help out with the workload uh, with Brees Hall early on as he was being ramped up uh, from recovering from his ACL injury. But the problem was that Dalvin Cook missed time during training camp and didn't play in the preseason. So it was almost like the first few games of this year was a ramp up period for him. But uh, he was always kind of a back, even in Minnesota, that needed a big workload to get going uh, and then would finally pop off that big run. But He's ne- he was never going to get that with the Jets. He was always going to be, you know, the second running back behind Brees Hall once Hall was, you know, fully ready to go. And, you know, it seems like that's been the case the last few weeks that that Brees is, you know, back and looking like the guy he was as a rookie. So I'm not exactly sure what he was expecting here, signing with the Jets that had uh, Brees Hall coming back. Right. So to go before the, we go to the wide receiver core, let's go to the offensive coordinator. Uh, what – What are your thoughts so far on Nathaniel Hackett? Obviously, the play calling has changed because Zach Wilson's the QB. Um, In my opinion, 
I think he's done an okay job, but my biggest concern, if I was a Jet fan with him, is a lot of those first and second down runs. And I get it, you know, Zach is a, a limited quarterback and Brees Hall is a great talent, but sometimes it's very predictable on offense, first and second down runs. Um, what are your overall thoughts on Nathaniel Hackett? Yeah, I think that's a, a good point that you bring up. At times, he could be predictable, and it was frustrating. I think early on in the season, it was a little bit worse. Like against Dallas and New England, it very you knew it was going to be run on first down, run on second down, pass on third down. And against I, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs, those two games in particular, I thought that was his two best game plans. And he came out and he was more aggressive on early downs. And they you know, use the play action more, which is something that Zach Wilson actually does well. And when you have a running back like Brees Hall, you know, teams are going to bite on on the play action because, you know, they think they're going to give him the ball. And then, you know, the play action also opens up the run game. So I liked the two games, again, against Kansas City and, and uh, Philadelphia, where they were a little more aggressive on early downs and were throwing it a little bit more, you know, and, you know, I'm not saying that throwing the ball with Zach Wilson 40 plus times is a recipe for success. It's probably not, but I don't think you can throw the ball 20 to 25 times. I think you have to be a little bit more balanced. Uh, and I hope coming out of the bye, that's something that they continue to do is be aggressive on early downs. Absolutely. So you move into the receiving core. Now, personally, me um, and doing my preview beforehand and stuff like that, I'm looking at this wide receiver core and a lot really doesn't jump out to me. Now, Garrett Wilson's obviously a stud. If a quarterback gets him the ball, he can do a lot of things with it. You guys traded McCole Hardman because of the lack of usage. Xavier Gibson is starting to find ways into the offense after being a very good punt return. I mean, hell, I mean, what an NFL debut he had. Randall Cobb looks really washed. And then Alan Lazard, I think he's a solid receiver. How satisfied are you with the receiving core? And do you think Joe Douglas will make a move at the deadline to get a receiver? I think he should. I definitely think the Jets should add a receiver. The guy that I would really love to see them add is Cortland Sutton from Denver, who looks like, you know, they're going to you know blow this up at the deadline and just go full tank mode. Uh, adding a bigger receiver like that, number one, helps in the red zone, which is an area where they really struggle. Uh, and then number two, that allows them to move Garrett Wilson back into the slot, which is something they used him a lot uh, in last year. And I thought he had success. And, you know, right now with their current personnel, they don't really have that luxury of being able to move him into the slot as much because Randall Cobb and Xavier Gibson are more, you know, your standard, you know, slot receivers. I'm with you. Randall Cobb, 40% drop rate is way, way, way too high. Um, I understood, you know, bringing him in originally, it looked like he was going to be like their fifth receiver on the depth chart. And that wouldn't have been as big of a deal. And with Aaron Rodgers, okay. Like they have chemistry. I had no issue with that, but Corey Davis surprisingly retires or, or steps away from football right before the season starts. And then Miko Harmon you know, falls out of favor. A lot of it having to do with the emergence of Xavier Gibson. And suddenly Randall Cobb's now your third receiver, which is, is something that I, I don't think is ideal. Uh, I do like Alan Lazard. I, I think he's just, you know, he's a steady, solid receiver. He's not a superstar, but I think he's, you know, a solid pro does a lot of the little things, right? Like he's a really good run blocker, which in this offense with Brees Hall and a limited quarterback is going to matter. Uh, and he is a, you know, big body contested catch guy. So I think adding a, another one of those stylistic receivers would help open up Garrett Wilson moving into the slot a little bit more. So I would like to see him make a move at the deadline. Right. And what are your thoughts on the usage of the tight ends? Now I don't have the snap percentages right in front of me, but Jeremy Ruckert, when he's on the field, he's a solid tight end. He's your best run blocker at the line of scrimmage. 
but over the last few weeks, is he winning snaps over CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin? Is he not winning those snaps? And do you think he should be? Yeah. So over the last few weeks, he has kind of jumped into that tight end two role over CJ Uzama, which I, I really am a big fan of. I, I think that's the right decision. As you mentioned, he by far is their best run blocker. Uh, now, Tyler Conklin's been pretty productive the last few weeks uh, and is starting to build some nice chemistry with Zach Wilson. So I understand why they want to use him uh, in the receiving game. But for me, I think Jeremy Rucker, uh, with his blocking ability, has to be on the field as the second tight end. And he also, I think, is an underrated pass catcher. Um, you know, I always thought, even going back to his days at Ohio State, he was an underrated uh, pass catcher there. And, you know, I CG Uzama is a really good locker room guy, and he does have some value. Uh, but for me, I think, you know, at, at this point in his career, it, it seems obvious that Ruckert surpassed him. And I think as the season goes on and especially into next year, I would anticipate Ruckert getting uh, more usage as he should. Exactly. So moving on to the offensive line before we switch up to the defense, which is well, arguably more exciting for both teams. Uh, what are your thoughts on this O-line configuration? Obviously, there was a couple move arounds. Dwayne Brown started. They went IR. Um, Makai Becton has played left tackle primarily. So what are your thoughts on the configura configuration of this O-line and maybe Makai Becton's future as a Jet beyond 2023? Yeah, so uh, shout out to Makai Becton because he starts the year at right tackle. Then due to injury with Dwayne Brown has to move over to the left side and he's held it down pretty well. Um, you know, the biggest thing for Makai Becton was never a talent question. It was just you know, health. And so far this year, he has remained healthy. And I hope that continues and he plays a full 17 game season. Uh, and I would look to bring him back if he does that, because like I said, when he's on the field, he, um, you know, seems to be that guy. And whether it's left tackle or right tackle, I think you find a spot for him. Uh, the unfortunate thing for me with this offensive line was losing Elijah Vera Tucker for the season. He is such a talented piece because you can play him at guard and he plays at a high level, or you can play him at tackle and he plays at a high level. He's Honestly, this year looked better at right tackle than he did at right guard, which was something I wasn't necessarily expecting. But losing him is really a bummer. Max Mitchell, I, I think, has done uh, a pretty good job filling in. Obviously, not at the same you know level, doesn't have the same ceiling, but has you know held it down fine. And right now for for this game, uh, Joe Tipman is a question of whether he'll play or not. Uh, he dealt with a thigh injury in the game against Philadelphia. I think he's looked really good as a rookie. I'm excited about his future, but I would be surprised if he played this week based on, you know, some of the reports and he hasn't practiced yet this week. Um, so that, you know, just in the future, I'm excited about him, but uh, McGovern and Lakin Tomlinson uh, at center and left guard, you know, they're two veterans. You kind of know what you're getting with them. They're both, you know, they're not phenomenal players, but they're, you know, average starters. And, you know, I think, all in all, the line has been okay. I don't think it's a stellar unit. I think it definitely improved uh, as the year has gone on. Uh, but it is a unit that's dealing with some injuries. So there, there are question marks along that unit as well. Okay. Moving to the defense. Now, there's a couple parts in this one, but I'll split it up. Uh, how great is it to have a forte of very talented pass rushers? And also, I was looking up this stat as a part of the preview. Um, the Jets aren't very high in the amount of sacks they're getting, but the pressure is there. Um, is that something, because I know you were giving us some analytics about Zach Wilson. I'm, I'm going to make the guess that you're very analytical, as am I. But are you very much happy with that and also them just forcing the pressure? And just overall, yeah, how, how great is it to have a forte of very much talented pass rushers? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, eventually you want to get sacks, right? Like that's the goal, but it, it's not uh, always the the best way, I think, to evaluate a, a defensive line or a pass rusher. I think pressures are really important too because that you know gets the quarterback to make mistakes. And the Jets have done a really good job this year in creating turnovers. You look at the games they've had against Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. They did a good job of getting pressure and getting them to turn the ball over. And I, I love that they're a deep unit. You know, they can rotate guys on the edge and even on the interior. There's been some unsung heroes like, you know, we know the big names like uh, Quinn and Williams in the interior is just uh, a, a really special player. And that's someone who the sacks really aren't there this year as compared to last year. But I think he's played just as well with the amount of pressure he's getting on the quarterback. You know, they're creating mistakes and uh, someone that I really love to watch on the edge now who's getting a, a bigger role. Uh, is Bryce Huff. Um, I, I mean, he's just racks up the pressures and, you know, uh, Jeff fans have been yelling and screaming to get him on the field now more for about two or three years. And it's been working. I hope he's someone that they look to give a contract extension to, but yeah, it's a really deep unit. And, you know, for this game in particular against the giants, who's, you know, their offensive line's a little beat up right now. It's uh, a unit that usually tends to struggle for them. I, I would look for this jets defensive line to, uh, try to bring the heat against either Tyrod Taylor or Daniel Jones. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, another question to kind of add on to that as well is you guys took a pass rusher in the first round by the name of Wiggle, Will McDonald. And, you know, we know this kind of the situation with Carl Watson over the last few weeks. And again, you guys have a forte of talented pass rushers. So it's kind of a, a conundrum getting them all snap percentage uh, being fair and whatnot. But do you think that Will McDonald should get more snaps? Yeah, I definitely do. And I think he will as the year goes on it, it with the trade rumors and things like that leading up to the deadline. It very much so feels like Carl Lawson's going to get moved before the deadline on Tuesday. Uh, and he's even been inactive a few times. Uh, it, it's it's really a shame. I was excited when they brought him in. But, you know, injuries have kind of taken over at this point and he doesn't look like that same guy, even, you know, what he was last year. Um, it looks like that back that he had um, deal that he was dealing with over the summer is kind of carried over this year. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they moved off of him, which then I think opens up a role for Will McDonald, who, you know, hasn't really played a, a ton yet. And I understand, you know, the fans are frustrated. They want to see their first round pick out on the field. Uh, edge is always a position to me that I think takes guys a few years. Usually, I mean, you have those rare ones who just come into the league and pop right away, but I think it's a hard position to translate to in the NFL. And, you know, you look at last year, the Jets drafted uh, Jermaine Johnson in the first round, and he had a kind of similar role in his first year. He didn't play a ton of snaps, but, you know, for the last few games in year two, uh, he started to look like the guy you thought you were getting when you took him in the first round. So I think it takes these guys a little bit. Uh, so I'm not worried about Will McDonald yet, but I do think he's someone that I would imagine gets more snaps as the season goes on. Everyone talks about, you know, the heads of the Jets defense, right? You know, you run up Quinn Williams, another name is CJ Mosley. But as I said, I watch a lot of Jet games because they're obviously in the area and I have a Jet fan brother. How much of a nice surprise has Quincy Williams been? Yeah, uh, to me, Quincy's been better than CJ Mosley. And that's not a knock against Mosley. I think he's actually been pretty well, uh, played pretty well this year. But Quincy Williams uh, was someone who, you know, his first two years with the Jets, a very hit or miss player. The highs were very, very high, but the lows were really low. 
Uh, and this year, the lows are just completely gone. He's flying around the field. He's making great reads. He's significantly better in coverage, which was an area of concern his first couple of years. And something else that really you know plagued him early on in his careers was missed tackles. And that missed tackle rate has significantly improved this year as well. But um, it's really awesome to see both, you know, Quincy and Quinn out there on the same defense. It seemed like retaining Quincy Williams was almost like a favor to keep Quinn Williams around and keep him happy. But honestly, Quincy Williams has been the best player on this defense. And this defense has a lot of really talented guys on it. So and able to say that is uh, is impressive in itself. But yeah, his growth this year is is truly, truly remarkable, and he's playing like one of the best linebackers in football right now. Right, and we move to the secondary. How do you – is there any differences from this year to last year based on the way they've played? I mean, I looked at passer rating. I looked at a couple other different stats in terms of coverage. It seems like there might be a slight regression for DJ Reed and Sauce. Is it because maybe they're playing – more zone and that's not really what they're you know used for and stuff like that like i could probably guess that sauce is more of a man corner um do you think there's been a slight regression or you think it's just you know the stats say a different story um you know really i think the only game that the sauce gardener and dj reed duo struggled with was week one uh against buffalo uh, i both missed the game against the philadelphia eagles um the last time out before the bye but um, I, I thought both those guys struggled then and then kind of came into their own a little bit better against Dallas. I know Sauce had the drop to pick six against Dallas, which would have been nice to, to reel in. But in coverage, I think they've kind of gotten better as the year has gone on. Um, so I, I don't know if I would go as far as saying like the stats are misleading. They're probably not at that level that was that they were last year, which was just uh, unbelievable. Like they were just playing at an insane level. But I still think they are you know, one of the best corner duos in the sport. I think, you know, both guys are still really solid cornerbacks. And when you add the slot corner, Michael Carter, the second into the mix, I mean, he's played just as well as he did last year. So I, I still think this is a very, very talented group. Uh, and I don't really have any concern with them uh, going forward here. So moving more further into the game preview from an evaluation and a fan standpoint, which matchups side by side, um, it could be position and position or player against player. Are you looking forward to seeing? Yeah, for me, I think the biggest thing that I'll be looking for is uh, on both sides, but both defensive lines going up against the opposing offensive lines, because, you know, the Jets defensive line is pro is their strength uh, and the Giants offensive line is, is one of their weaker points. But uh, at the same time, the Giants defensive line has really come into its own. As I mentioned, the last two weeks, they allowed seven points and 14 points um, the, the, in their last two games. And the Jets offensive line dealing with some injuries and, you know, playing a backup right tackle and backup right guard uh, could allow for some opportunities for that Giants defensive line to get pressure. So uh, and it's probably going to be a game where both teams are playing their backup quarterbacks. So I'd imagine Tyrod Taylor is probably starting for the Giants this week and Zach Wilson will be starting for the Jets this week. So. Uh, I think if the defensive line could get pressure and potentially make uh, the quarterback make mistakes, that's going to be a really big key in this game. Absolutely. So two X factors, one on offense, one on defense for the New York Jets on Sunday. Yeah, for for me on, on the offensive side of the ball, I really think this is going to be a big Brees Hall game. Um, you know, last time out against Philadelphia, they're going to, uh, they didn't really run him as much as what they did against Denver. 
Uh, he got 12 carries and going up against the Philadelphia Eagles run defense uh, is one of the best in football, if not the best in football. So I understood why he didn't get as much run. But against this Giants team, I think one of the ways you could attack this you know, defense uh, of Wink Martindale's, which he loves to bring the pressure, uh, I think running uh, the football would be the Jets' best recipe for success in this game. Uh, and I think he would be utilized a lot in this one. And on the defensive side of the ball, uh, I'm going to say Bryce Huff, who's a guy that I mentioned uh, already earlier on. But, um, you know, the Giants offensive line we brought up has has been a weaker point. And, you know, going up against potentially, you know, a backup tackle, too, depending on injuries with Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal, I think would be a, a good spot for him to continue to get pressures. Um, I believe he had nine in the game against Philadelphia. It was just an insane number. Uh, and I think he could have that kind of impact again on Sunday. Absolutely. And if you're game planning against the Giants, one offensive X factor that you're looking for game planning that's on the Giants and uh, one on the defense. Yeah. So for on the Giants side of things, on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, I'm looking at uh, for for me, um, Saquon, I think, is an obvious focal point on the offensive side of the ball. It, it very much so looks like their offense is different when he's in versus when he's out. Uh, the games that he missed, they really, really struggled to move the football. And, you know, they looked a little bit better doing that. I know the points aren't there, but they, I think their offense has looked a little bit better the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I think they would l- like to get him involved because, you know, you know how that Jets defense, they love to get after the quarterback and they're really an aggressive unit. So, you know, if you could work in some counters, or, you know, running the ball, I think that would probably be the Giants best recipe for success. Uh, and on the defensive side of the ball, I really liked uh, the play of Dexter Lawrence. It's hard not to right? like both him and Quinn and Williams come from the same draft class. Uh, and he really wreaks a lot of havoc in the middle of that defensive line. And, you know, potentially going up against a backup right guard. I would imagine Wes Schweitzer's probably starting at right guard. Uh, that could be a mismatch there. And, you know, Zach Wilson under pressure isn't always the best thing. So I, I would be looking at him on the defensive line. Definitely. And who do you think is going to uh, win this game? Yeah, you know, I, I do think it's going to be a tight game and a low scoring game. I'll pick the Jets. I think like a 19-13 kind of game. I don't expect there to be a ton of scoring. Uh, but for me, I think when you look at um, just these these two teams, the Giants have really struggled to score points. Uh, and when th- with with this Jets aggressive defense and what they've done to uh, quarterbacks uh, in this league, I, I think it's going to be a tough day for the Giants offensively. But, you know, as we mentioned, Giants defense has played well. The Jets offenses have struggled, especially in the red zone. So I don't think they're running away with it. I think it'll be a really tight game. But I do think the Jets end up pulling off this win. And uh, lastly, you know you do a lot of different things in the Jets community. Where can people find you and uh, where you and you, where your work is? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on social media and on YouTube at Matt O'Leary and why uh, do daily Jets videos over there. There's a long form podcast. Just Jets comes out every single Wednesday. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you can find me talking Jets football. So I appreciate it if you follow along. I'm pretty sure you do. I, to my knowledge, you still do that. Uh, the the live show with uh, what is it? This, the, uh, the, the Ryan, yeah, Ryan. Jets talk twenty four seven, and uh, this. Uh, why am I forgetting his Green name? Bean. Green yeah. Bean. That's his. There we name. go. Yeah, every Just, Tuesday, eight to ten. Every Tuesday. So I appreciate Matt coming on. Um, if you ever meet this guy, from what I to know, he's he's really tall. Um, <laughs> that's those are just what I'm hearing, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Anyway. 
Uh, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Once again, check out all of Matt's stuff and all that. Um, appreciate you guys. Let's see what the Giants do on Sunday. Of course, I'll be at the game as a part of the media. And uh, we'll see you next time. Let's go Big Blue. Big Blue.